Sirius XM Radio is better with Bogle Wines. 70s on 7, 80s on 8, better with Bogle. Alt Nation, Hip Hop Nation, Hair Nation, better with Bogle. Madison, Howard, Andy Cohen, better, better, better. Y2 Country, Prime Country, Carrie's Country, yep, all better. The Beatles Channel is better, and getting better all the time. Everything on Sirius is better with Bogle. Award-winning family-owned wines ranked as some of the finest available for around 10 bucks. As long as you're not driving, it's better with Bogle. Bogle Family Vineyards, Clarksburg, California. Please drink responsibly. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling good today. How about you? I feel great. A couple. You, you look beautiful. Love the uh, the dress. A little spicy. And the hair. Yeah. Thank you. Um... A couple quick announcements, and then we get into the show. Uh, real quick, just thanks to all the creeps and peepers who scooped up all the VIP tickets in less than a minute. Holy Hades. Wow. For the wet, hot, bad magic summer camp. Um, it feels so real now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can't wait to hang with everyone coming out. And just uh, to clear up something, some general admission tickets still available. Just know that with those, you still get to hang out at camp. Two long days, Saturday and Sunday, August 20th and 21st. Bustles will take you to camp, back to your hotels. You still get to hang with Lindsay and I, Joe, Logan, uh, Moore. Um, we just realized we didn't make that super clear based on some emails. So you still get to do so much with those. So, so much. Really, all you're missing out on is the Friday night VIP-only dinner and staying yeah, at sleeping camp. Over. Those are Those are the big things. But yeah, we'll be around. We're going to hang out with you guys all weekend. We'll be there sun up to sundown, live scared to death, and so much more. Yeah. And I already see like there's a Facebook group for anybody who's going. Oh, that's and they're fun. making all sorts of different plans and <sighs> coordinating. That's fun. So if you have any questions, you can email us at summercamp at badmagicproductions.com and somebody from the event staff will get back to you within a day or two. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Woohoo! And then you have our uh, Patreon monthly donation to yeah. discuss. So we, we talked about giving to Ukraine. Yes. And somebody sent you an email mm-hmm. tipping, uh, tipping us to this awesome charity. Yeah, I'm so excited about this charity. This month, our donation will be going to Lifting Hands International, whose mission statement, I just love this, we provide aid to refugees both at home and abroad, no politics, simply humanitarian, which yeah. is really important that it's just about the people. hmm They've been boots on the ground in a variety of places for refugees, and they are currently stationed in Moldova and Romania, aiding in evacuating Ukrainians, providing meals, and so, so much more. If you're looking for a way to help those in crisis in Ukraine, please visit liftinghandsinternational.org and look for the urgent Ukraine banner at the top of the page. 
There are so many ways you can help, including sending care packages. Uh, we continue to be amazed by the resilience of the Ukrainian people. We carry them in our thoughts and hearts every day. Our donation amount is to be determined as we record in advance. And as soon as we know that amount, we will let you know. Mm-hmm. So we're very, very um, grateful that we can at least do something. Yeah, I mean, it's... Man, they need all the help everybody can give them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, new merch in the Bad Magic store again this week. A fun uh, cartoon-style demon-looking thing available in both a tee and a sweater. Demon-looking thing. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It's awesome. I actually talked to Logan. I was like, oh, yeah, I got I to gotta order more stuff. It's been too long so I can wear some of our stuff, the newer stuff. Well, get on it, dude. I know. Uh, and, and thank you for all the reviews that you leave at the, on the Bad Magic store. Uh, it's so cool to see you guys posting pictures from all around the world, literally. Uh, head over to badmagicmerch.com to check that out. And it is cool for the, when the pictures just pop up when you go to the site. Yeah, it was super fun. We were just in Atlanta this past weekend, Dan was doing shows, mm-hmm. and uh, I was hiding in a back corner, and just to see the like the various shirts and the designs, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, when you get up there, especially Time Suck, but just in general, when you say the names of the shows, see little pockets of people like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's really cool. Ah, uh, super fun, super mm-hmm. fun. Uh, back to two more traditional type stories for me today. How about you, Lulu? I have two as well. Are yours um, more, what do you want to talk about yours? I would love to talk about mine. My first story is about a haunted or possessed, I don't know what you like to call it, object. And it's an object that I don't think we've previously explored being haunted. Okay, cool. So I'm pretty into it. A a whole family experience. We haven't done a haunted object in a while. We haven't. Yeah, that's why I was drawn to it. Mm -hmm. And then for my second story, uh, we are going to learn a little bit about the Japanese tradition Obin. It's um, sort of like a Dios de los Muertos type that's like the closest thing that I could equate it to. Yeah. It's their tradition of honoring the dead and trying to mm. get in touch with them. If we haven't talked about that in Japan before, which I think we have, but if we haven't, we've de- definitely talked about something uh, akin to that in another uh, Asian nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I forgot that some of them have like, yeah, days honoring spirits of ancestors and ghosts and stuff. Very cool. Yeah, it's a very cool story. Uh, my first story, my, I have my two. Uh, one, it takes us to South Carolina, modern encounter with a cult. Uh, the occult, it seems, in an old haunted uh, Newry Mill, an abandoned old textile mill. Long used as a teen, teen hangout and drink spot. <laughs> uh, then we head to the little town of Mitchell, Indiana. Check out a haunted house known as Whispers Estate. We dig into its history, find out how it got its creepy name, and cover various claims of entity encounters reported in this house. I think that Indiana is the number one state that we get stories about hauntings. Yeah, we go to Ohio a lot too, but Indiana, oh, and, and, and those bordering states, I mean, that area, the Midwest, a lot of hauntings for some reason. But like specifically Indiana, I know on at least on the fan story side, mm-hmm. I think that if I went back and counted, Indiana would be the winner. Interesting. In yeah. terms of like how many stories. Because I, I would have never thought that before we started this. I would have guessed, you know, Louisiana, uh, mm. just because New Orleans, uh, maybe Georgia because of Savannah. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, I, I don't know, I probably would have went with like, Massachusetts or something? I was just going to say that. Massachusetts yeah. would have been my next one, but just like pilgrims, like going yep, way yep. back all the way Salem to the Sandwich Trails. Yeah. 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 But Indiana. Okay. If you really want to get spooped, that's where you go. <laughs> I've got on some really cute unicorn socks and cute. Dude, which way, Joe? This way. And I have a very special blanket that was sent to the green room by a fan in Atlanta. She said, <laughs> I remember that you said that you couldn't have too many blankets. So I have like a tortilla 
I think I'm supposed to wrap myself up and be a burrito. Uh, that's funny. I, it is funny. That's so cute. Thank you so much. And also thank you for the cool cup that you brought me. It's just not enough water for me while doing the show. And thanks to all the fans for, uh, yeah, the gifts sent in and, and, and handed off at, you know, shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Always unnecessary and always so generous and nice. Yeah. Always appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So we're going to begin quite a bit of historical backstory on this first one. So plenty of time to settle in. Okay, great. The Newry Mill, formerly the Courtney Manufacturing Company, one of hundreds if not thousands of once vibrant mill villages, now sitting abandoned across the American South. Uh, the Newry Mill was founded in 1893 and operational the following year. Captain William Ashmead Courtney of Charleston, South Carolina, the founder, wanted to follow the new northern industrial trends by creating his own mill in the South. And he purchased land in the Little River Valley June 1st, 1893 and quickly dammed up the little river to create his mill so he could set about manufacturing, you know, uh, spinning, dye, printing, selling cotton, and woolen goods. Then on June 14, 1894, the Newry Mill became the first textile village in uh, Oconee County, South Carolina, sitting roughly seven miles outside of Clemson. The mill became known as the Courtney Mill surrounding village called Newry, consisted of central manufacturing plant, several smaller industrial buildings, and a multitude of houses. Courtney would die in 1908, it was his son taking over in 1920, or until 1920, when he would sell the factory to the Isquina Mill Company of Chester, or Isaquina. The mill continued operations until 1939, when the Great Depression forced the new owners to liquidate. Abney Mills then purchased the factory and village, began upgrading the property, funded by a production surge occurring thanks to World War II. Avenue was able to employ 450 workers, add a second bathroom to each home, build sidewalks, brick duplexes. The complex expanded from 51 to 120 houses. But then with more and more cotton production moving overseas following World War II, the mill suffered and officially closed in 1975. Many of the houses were sold to the former mill workers who lived in them. Today, the former mill and some of the old village make up a large part of the new rehistoric district. The 250-acre property now contains 118 buildings, including the original mill, the post office, church, and many of the old original homes. A few years ago in 2020, M. Peters Group, a company based in Greenville, South Carolina, announced plans to redevelop the mill. They plan to restore the former mill building and store, build 197 apartment units, grocery store, cafe, event venue, and post office. They were going to begin construction in the summer of 2020, but due to COVID, the project has been delayed. So why am I talking about an old mill in upstate South Carolina? Because in addition to being an important piece of local history, also said to be extremely haunted. Because the mill sat abandoned for so long, it's been a, a, a popular teen hangout spot for many years, since 1975. And it seems like almost everyone who's visited the old abandoned mill at night has come away with some type of ghost story to tell. The most commonly reported phenomenon witnessed has been disembodied screaming. Nothing like a blood-curdling scream while you're doing some ghost hunting in a dark abandoned factory to get your heart pumping. Sometimes people hear it off in the distance, other times chillingly close. And it almost sounds, and it almost always sounds like a little girl uh, screaming in fear. Many have also reported experiencing an eerie feeling of being watched. Uh, the old mill's basement seems to be where the majority of reported encounters have taken place. Some mill visitors have additionally reported finding pentagrams and strange writings in foreign languages on the basement walls, as if people started using the abandoned building for occult practices. Other voices, in addition to the child's screams, also have been heard in the basement. Who? or what is haunting the new remill. Time now for the tale of darkness in South Carolina. It had been a long day for Clara. It was summer, meaning she increased her hours at her part-time job at a little ice cream shop in town. 
and she was exhausted from dealing with customers all day. Her shift was finally over. She had the following day off, and she thought about what she wanted to do. Maybe go for a hike, call up a friend to get lunch, just stay home and watch TV all day. All three sounded like wonderful options. Clara then heard the sound of her manager locking up behind her, and she watched her coworkers Tyler and Jay standing over in Tyler's car. She internally rolled her eyes. Tyler had just bought the car after a year of saving up for it. It was completely impractical. A sports car, too small, too fast, but she had to admit it did look pretty cool. <laughs> Clara's car looked somewhat pitiful parked next to it. Have a good night, everyone. Clara's manager called out as he went to his own car, hopping in and speeding away, eager to get home to his young family. Clara looked up at the dark sky before heading to her car. The shop closed late in the summer at 10 p.m. It was still hot and humid, though. Only a few degrees cooler than it was at the hottest part of the day. If she stayed out here any longer, she'd start sweating. Tyler called out to her as she walked to her car. Hey, Clara, come over here for a second. She quickly threw her purse into her car and walked over, trying to seem nonchalant about it all. Tyler was a year older than her, a freshman in college, while she was a senior in high school. She had a terrible crush on him, which he'd been making worse by seeming to flirt with her recently. Some of us are going to hang out tonight. Want to come? Her eyes widened. I, uh, uh, sure. Who's going? Me, Jay, some of our friends, probably some of the girls you know from school, too. Oh, so it's a party? Tyler smiled. Nah, we're just hanging out. If you want to meet at the grocery store parking lot, I can drive us there. Zeke's house is hard to find. Clara smiled back, trying not to appear too eager. Sounds cool. Just text me when you want me to meet you there. I'll see you tonight. She waved at Tyler and Jay and then sped out of the parking lot. As soon as she was out of sight of the ice cream shop, she let out an excited squeal. Then she called her friend Katie, begged her to cover for her tonight. Clara was going to tell her mom she was spending the night at Katie's, but really she was planning on staying out until the early morning hours and then crashing at Katie's. Clara's mom lived in another state and her dad worked nights. This was going to be perfect. Clara begged her dad to go out. When, she, when he said yes, she hastily packed a bag. She made uh, sure not to dress too nice to avoid drawing suspicion. Instead of taking the normal route to a friend's house, Clara decided to head to her local grocery store, uh, or Clara headed to the local grocery store, parking near the shopping cart return. It was after 11 p.m., and Tyler should arrive any minute now. Sure enough, a few minutes later, she heard the roaring of his engine as he sped into the parking lot and parked next to her. He rolled down his dark window and smiled. Clara's heart may have fluttered a bit. Hey, he said, as she sat down in his passenger seat. Hey, she replied back, nervously playing with her hair. Clara, Jay said from the back seat, making her jump. She placed a hand over her heart. Hey, Jay, didn't know you were there. Her hopes of being alone with Tyler were squashed, but she tried to keep her spirits up. They still had the whole night after all. So, change of plans, Tyler said after a few minutes of silence. We're not going to Zeke's house. Oh, okay. Where are we going then, Clara asked. The mill. Zeke and everyone else are already there. Jay needed to stop at the store and I had to pick you up. We'll hang out there for a while and it'll be super cool. Clara swallowed nervously. She knew this meant the new remill. She'd never gone before. At first because her father threatened an eternal grounding if she ever went, and then because she was genuinely scared of the place. She knew people who went there all the time to drink, do drugs, just hang out and explore, and it seemed like everyone she'd ever heard talking about it always said some creepy stuff went down out there. She wondered, worried rather, what the night had in store for her. A small part of her wanted to back out, to ask to go back to her car and just go to Katie's house, but they were already halfway there. Tyler took an indirect route, carefully checking for any passing cars, as he turned down the little road leading to the old mill entrance. He parked his car in a concealed, wooded area where Clara saw a few other cars nearby. Silently, she got out with Tyler and Jay. She thought they may have to hop a fence, but luckily there was a gap big enough for them to slip through. She could hear the clinking of bottles inside Tyler's backpack as they walked. 
Clara inspected her surroundings. They were in the part of the village closest to the mill, where the oldest houses sat abandoned. This place was definitely creepy, and the darkness didn't help. Vines grew over some of the old houses. Although the original structure still stood, they weren't in good shape. It was eerie. Clary had the distinct feeling that they shouldn't be there, that they weren't welcome. I think I hear him, Tyler said, turning down one of the neatly gridded streets towards an old house. Don't the cops come out here to check for people partying? Clara asked. Yeah, sometimes. But only if they think someone is out here. I wouldn't worry about it. If they come, we'll just hide. I've done it before, Tyler laughed. Clara didn't find it that funny. Her dad would kill her if the cops actually caught her out there. She wasn't so confident she'd be able to hide from him. They finally found what was supposed to be the party, or hanging out, as Tyler put it. It was a group of about ten people all sitting around a lantern, talking and drinking. Not exactly the lively gathering she'd been hoping for. Clara didn't recognize any of the guests present, but she saw two girls she knew from school, Madison and Sydney, weren't friends, but they had seen each other, and they waved to Clara as she approached. Finally, one of the guys called, you're here, we're running low. Tyler opened up his bag and triumphantly pulled out a bottle of cheap, cheap vodka. Come sit with me, he said, grabbing Clara's hand and pulling her down next to him. She eagerly sat next to him, hoping that although they were sitting in a group of people, they could have a nice conversation. But that really didn't happen. Although Tyler had invited her, he mostly ignored her, and she started to get annoyed and bored and creeped out. This one guy, Tucker, she'd learned, kept leering at her from across the circle. After an hour or so, Clara started to feel really uncomfortable. She didn't know anyone here, not really, not well, and Tyler was barely speaking to her. Everyone was drinking a lot, including the people who were supposed to be driving. Tyler had been consistently drinking from his bottle of vodka, and at least half of it was gone now. Clara drank half a beer passed to her by Jay, but she wasn't planning on drinking anymore. She instinctively felt like she needed to keep her wits about her. Here, Tyler said, passing the bottle to her. You barely had anything. One of us has to stay sober enough to get home. Clara couldn't help the hint of annoyance that crept into her voice. Fair enough, he shrugged. Another hour passed. It was now after 1 a.m. Clara wanted to go home, but Tyler was a ride. She didn't know what to do. She didn't want to ask him to take her home at that moment. He wasn't acting too drunk, but she'd counted nine shots at least already. She wished she hadn't come. Then a crazy thought suddenly occurred to her. She didn't have to stay with any of these people. There was a whole village to explore, and that would be far more interesting than staying here in a boring circle of drunk people. She could take a little break, then see if Madison or Sydney could drive her back. Worst case, she could call her friend Katie and talk her into sneaking out here to pick her up. She nudged Tyler's shoulder. I'm going to go for a little walk, look around a little. Her, his eyes snapped up. I'll go with you. He jumped up with her, stumbling a little, placing a hand on her shoulder to steady himself. No one even looked as they left. Claire didn't know what to think. He'd ignored her all night, but now he wanted to go on a walk with her. Did he like her or not? She didn't know, and she was getting frustrated by the mixed signals. They walked in silence for a while. Claire wasn't feeling brave enough to peek inside some of the houses yet, so she kept to the neatly lined walkways. She could see the old mill looming in the distance and decided to walk in that direction. When she stood in front of the massive structure, she paused. She tried to imagine what it was like over a hundred years ago, when it was first built and full of so much promise. She felt a gentle tug on her hair. Your hair's pretty, Tyler said, sniffing one of the long brown strands. Smells good, too. He was definitely drunk. Thank you, she said, taking a piece of her hair back gingerly. I think you're pretty, he said with the confidence only alcohol can give a person. And maybe, oh, hey, oh, let's go over there, he shouted, pointing at the mill as if noticing it for the first time. Clara chuckled. Okay, let's go. They approached the massive structure and walked around, peeking into some of the low windows. The inside was old and dilapidated, but surprisingly not as dirty as she thought it would be. As they approached the back of the building, Clara found an entrance to the basement. 
She felt the urge to continue exploring despite how dark it was. It was dark outside, but it was pitch black inside the basement. She couldn't see further than a few feet ahead of her, even with the flashlight. Still, the darkness almost called to her somehow. The thought repeated in her head over and over, Go in, go in, go in. Do you want to go in there, she asked. Tyler grinned, briefly throwing an arm over her shoulder. I didn't know you were such a daredevil. Hell yeah, let's go in. Tyler led the way, turning on his phone's flashlight and descending the stairs. Clara followed, gripping the railing tightly, the darkness blanketing them on all sides, closing in. Using her own flashlight, Clara looked around the basement. There wasn't much there, but it was still interesting to have a look at the old building and read some of the graffiti going back decades, to the mid-70s at least. Clara looked over after a few minutes and saw Tyler facing away from her, staring at something off in the corner. What are you looking at? She called. There's something over here. Let's check it out. Clara shrugged and followed him. What Tyler had been looking at was a narrow hole in the wall, barely large enough for the average person to squeeze through. Tyler had to force himself in. Even Clara had a little trouble getting through. Once they were inside, the space opened up into a small room. There must have been a way to get in a long time ago, but then it had been bricked up at one point. She wondered who made the hole in the wall. As Clara scanned the room, she suddenly paused, jumping a little, her light illuminating something strange. It was a large pentagram, literally carved into the wall. Hundreds of smaller symbols surrounded it. Latin phrases scrawled all around the pentagram, but Clara, Clara didn't understand what any of them said. Looking at it all sent a chill down her spine. Although she didn't understand the symbols, she knew what a pentagram generally stood for. She suddenly felt extremely uncomfortable in the small, secret room. It must have been bricked up for a reason. Her mind wandered to various awful possibilities that all came straight out of horror movies. Whoa, Tyler said, finally noticing what she was looking at. Holy shit! Who do you think did that? I don't know, Claire said quietly, almost afraid to speak too loudly. She felt like she was being watched and didn't want to draw attention to herself. It's actually carved into the stone, not just spray painted. Tyler stepped closer to the pentagram, placing a hand on the carving. I've been here so many times. We've all been down in this basement before. I've never seen this place. Clara said nothing. Then Tyler said, You know, my mom always warned me about devil worshippers growing up. I always thought, whatever, it's not real. It's stuff from movies. I've never seen anything like this in real life. Tyler continued rubbing his hand over the pentagram, and then he began tracing the smaller symbols. Clara didn't like the look in his eyes. He seemed fascinated, mesmerized in a strange way. Yeah, she finally said. It's definitely weird. We should probably go. Your friends might be looking for you. Tyler ignored her. He extended his index finger, began tracing the pentagram point to point. His eyes started to become glazed over, as if he wasn't quite paying attention to what he was doing. Um, Tyler, she said. Claire felt more uncomfortable. She swore she felt something behind her, something really bad, but every time she turned around, there was nothing. But she still felt it. The presence felt oppressive, heavy, like a physical being in the room with them. Then something caught her eye. With her flashlight shining on Tyler, illuminating him in the darkness, Clara swore she saw the edge of that darkness. The shadows around him seemed to move closer and closer to him while he continued tracing the pentagram. His finger moving slightly faster now, his eyes still blank. Tyler, she said louder now. We should go. He ignored her. His finger kept moving along the stone carving. It kept picking up speed faster and faster. Clara watched his blank, unblinking eyes stare at the center of the pentagram while his finger moved almost impossibly fast now, tracing the devil's symbol in a frenzy. Clara was scared. Was Tyler on something? Why was he acting like this? She hadn't seen him take anything. She thought he was just really drunk, but this seemed like something else. She still felt that dark presence behind her, watching, waiting. 
She was too afraid to turn around now and check to see if it was there. She didn't know exactly what was happening, but she knew there was something in the room with them, something she couldn't see, and it was affecting Tyler. She wanted to run, but fear paralyzed her. Tyler wouldn't stop. He was breathing heavily now, body jerking sporadically as he traced and traced and traced the pentagram. It was like he was possessed in some sort of fog he couldn't get out of. She needed to stop this. Tyler, she said, reaching out a hand to touch his arm. Stop! Tyler now spun around to face her. Clara's heart accelerated. His eyes were gone, turned completely black. That evil presence felt so much stronger now. Instead of behind her, she could see it right in front of her. It was Tyler, or in Tyler. Tyler grabbed both her arms, his grip painfully tight. Let go of me, Clara yelled, jerking her body to try and get away from him. Tyler said nothing, just continued to stare at her with those black eyes. Suddenly, he pushed her to the ground with almost unhuman strength. Clara had no time to brace herself. Her head hit the concrete, hard. Luckily, adrenaline surged through her at the same time, and she quickly snatched up her phone from the floor, flung herself through the gap in the bricks, not caring that she just scratched her face and tore her shirt. Her head throbbed as she ran. Tyler followed her a second later. She could hear his heavy breathing and pounding footsteps quickly catching up to her. Clara sprinted up the metal staircase and ran from the darkness into the dim moonlight. She didn't stop running, not even daring to look behind her. She ran As she ran away from the old mill, she finally heard Tyler yell from behind her, What are you doing? He sounded almost normal. Clara threw her head back to look over her shoulder. His eyes did seem back to normal. He stood there just outside the basement entrance, a look of confusion on his face as he scratched his head. Clara stopped. Why are you running? Tyler looked genuinely confused. Did he not remember what just happened? Clara was confused herself. What the hell had just happened? Tyler was definitely possessed by something. Whatever was that thing in that room. It made him lash out, turn into someone else entirely. She didn't want to stay and find out if he was completely back to normal. I'm going home, she yelled, not daring to get any closer to him. He seemed shocked, a little hurt. Uh, okay, I, I, I can drive you. No, I'm calling my friend to get me. Are you, are you sure? What, what's wrong, Clara? N- nothing. I'm just going to go, okay? She didn't wait for him to answer. Instead, she began jogging down the neatly gridded streets away from Tyler and away from the small party. She pulled out her phone and dialed. Katie, Katie, can you please come get me? She could, and she did. Katie thought she should call the police, tell them that Tyler had assaulted her. Who knows what he would have tried to do if she hadn't ran away. But Katie knew that whoever pushed her wasn't really Tyler. She worked with Tyler for a few more weeks after that, and they barely spoke to one another. His last day at work before going to college, the final thing he said to her was, Sorry about the mill. I shouldn't have had so much to drink. I don't know what happened in the basement. It was like it was like something else took over me, or I don't know. I don't remember it at all, but, you know, sorry I scared you. The way he said it all, she knew whatever had happened had really scared him, too. All she said back to him was, it's fine. Good luck at school. And then turned and left, and her face went red. Good luck at school? Who says that, she thought. After all that, she still had a bit of a crush on him. But after seeing his eyes go black that night, she knew she was done going anywhere with him. She'd be far too scared he would change again into what? She didn't know what he'd become for a moment that night, but she knew she never wanted to see it again. I like that. Interesting little story. Yeah, like a possession-esque kind of situation. Mm -hmm, Like really brief. Uh Uh-huh. I wonder what would have happened if they would have stayed longer. Like if she wouldn't have been able to break him out of the tracing. Yeah, I don't know. That was weird. Mm-hmm. So weird. And I didn't know anything about these, like, mill villages. That was new to me. Yeah, I didn't either, actually. But it makes sense. There was all these, like, you know, cotton textile mills down in the south. And I mm-hmm. guess, um, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't realize they had built, like, little villages around them, like a factory town. Yeah, that's kind of what I was imagining. Like, the mill is in the middle and then basically, like, track housing 
all around it. I do have pictures. Oh, you do? Okay, yeah, great. yeah. This first one, uh, here, here's like the, the mill itself, the abandoned Newry Mill. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. the main building. Um, that looks like, I mean, now I can imagine, you know, a company coming in and, and changing that, making into condos, mm-hmm. apartments, live work lofts. Yeah, little shopping center. Little coffee shop downstairs. Yep. Uh, here's one of the rundown rooms inside that old mill. So much graffiti. So much graffiti. But like, I, I just keep picturing what it, what their their plans probably oh, it's are. Be cool. Like the brick, yeah. And then this next one is an aerial photo, old one of the mill village. Oh. So, so that was like you can see the mill at the end there, and then you know leading up to it, yeah, it was like they just built a town for the mill employees, with little shops, little main street, a bunch of little homes. Right, right on the river. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it's really pretty. And then, imagine. Yeah, and then a lot of that has been, you know, since taken over and just turned into an actual neighborhood. And then this last one is, uh, you know, just a cool shot of the old mill and some mist. Hmm, that is spooky. Cool building. Hmm. Yeah, it is. It'll be interesting to see, like, if that project comes back. Yeah, I bet it will. I bet. I mean, and we could go visit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, maybe I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> I know that, like, in this part of the country, a lot of, like, old flour mills, not, like, villages around them, but, like, you know, mm. along rivers and stuff, they would use the the power of the, of the moving water to um, provide electricity for, the, like, these flour mills oh, yeah. and, like, these areas where a lot of grain would be produced, like, mm-hmm. around Spokane. And then now the flour mills are turned into, like, yeah, like, restaurants, lofts, mm-hmm. condos, that kind of thing. It is cool. Yeah, you know when we were in Cleveland last and we scoot-scooted down, like, by the river? Oh, Yeah. So down there, it's like, uh, I think if I'm going to get this right, I'm sure someone will correct me if I get it wrong. But like the flats and it was like all where like the steel mills were. And there's like, there is a place downtown called, I think it's called the steel yard or the yard. Or something. But it's, mm-hmm. I mean, same idea. They're trying to revitalize these old buildings and build cool villages and stuff around it. Because while where I was in Ohio, yeah. there wasn't grain and whatnot. I mean, there would be like out in the country, yeah. but you know, outside of the city, but it was steel mills for us. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 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 Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I love it when they reclaim like old buildings and convert it into something new. I like that more than a new building. I always like that more than a new building, except it could definitely be haunted. <laughs> so there, the, you do run that risk. The one downside. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other uh, questions before we're, uh, we move on from South Carolina? Nope. That answered all my questions. All right. Good job. Okay, good. That was a good story. Well, let's head to Indiana. Thank you. Uh, home state of our art warlock, Logan Keith. And as you said, where uh, a lot of spooky tales happen. Before we move from uh, um, you know South Carolina up northwest to Indiana, time for a quick sponsor break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P 
com slash scared to death. Imagine bold, naturally aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating handfuls of thick cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag, taking a bite out of an irresistibly bold block of extra sharp cheddar cheese. <sighs> we know you want to get back to streaming, but wasn't it nice to daydream about cheese for a bit? Tillamook Cheddar, extraordinary dairy. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Thanks for sticking around. Creeps and peepers back to scares now. Okay. Fair amount of setup again on this one, but a little spookier setup. I think this time 714 Warren street set back behind iron gates on a quiet street in the little 4,000 plus Southern Indiana town of Mitchell sits a Victorian mansion creepily known as Whisper's Estate. That's a terrible name. (laughs) (laughs) From the outside, the house looks extremely normal. Big, beautiful white home with once perfectly manicured green grounds. uh, Giant stone angels guarding the walk uh, way up to the door. On closer inspection, the whole place looks, or maybe feels rather, dismal and gray. In stark contrast to its bright white paint, the statues of the angels invoke strong feelings of grief rather than the warm glow a person might believe angels should inspire. The seemingly unassuming house has a tragic history, as most haunted houses do, and was once voted fourth most terrifying place in America in a newspaper poll. Oh my gosh. Uh, the property was built in 1894 for Dr. George and Sarah White. Uh, neither stayed more than just a few years. When they, they left quickly, or why they left quickly after having such a lovely home built, still a mystery. The house then purchased by Dr. John Gibbons and his wife, Jessie, and so much death would occur there during their stay. Their stay. Uh, Dr. John, as he was known, ran his medical practice from the home for 26 years. God knows how many patients passed in the home during that span. John and Jessie never had children of their own, but they did adopt two girls, Rachel and Elizabeth, and neither would live to call any other place home after Whisper's estate. Rachel was around 10 when she died there. Oh. She was a beautiful, cheerful little girl who loved to play and run around the large house. And in 1912, when she snuck downstairs to peek at her Christmas presents, she accidentally knocked over an open flame, (gasps) setting fire to first the presents, then part of the house itself and also to herself. Oh, my God. The fire was put out before it consumed the home, but Rachel was severely burned. 
so much so that she died from her injuries two days later in one of the upstairs bedrooms, thought Uh. to be what is now in the attic. Now many claim to have both heard and seen her spirit in the home. Elizabeth died shortly thereafter in the master bedroom at only 10 months old and what has only been called under mysterious circumstances. Now visitors to the home claim to hear baby Elizabeth crying and to sometimes smell baby powder. 1934, the girl's adoptive mother, Jessie, would also pass away in the house. Terribly ill, she died from pneumonia in the master bedroom, now apparently the most haunted room in the house. Guests sleeping in that room claim to awake to labored breathing, coughing. Some even report feeling someone sitting on or pressing down on their chest. The most common paranormal activity encountered in this room is the closet doorknob jiggling for a few moments, stopping suddenly, and then the closet door popping open on its own. And I actually have seen video of this happening. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. John died a few years after his wife passed. And in recent years, many young women have reported hearing him whisper in their ears, hence the creepy nickname for the residents now, as well as sometimes being grabbed and groped, Ugh. supposedly by Dr. John's spirit. After Dr. John's death, the house went through a few different hands, becoming a bed and breakfast at one point, having rooms rented to various tenants at another. More tragic deaths occurred during these periods, including a small boy who died after falling down the stairs. A middle-aged man inexplicably died in an upstairs bathroom, his body not found for days. The house then sat abandoned for many years until it was purchased and renovated by a man named Van Rainier in 2007. Van had the house restored as best he could, then opened it to the public for ghost tours and overnight stays. He'd heard the house was haunted, thought turning it into a VRBO of sorts for ghost hunters would be a fun and profitable project. Before buying the property, he claimed to have had no experience with the supernatural. And then the very first night he was in the property alone, he experienced something scary enough to make him question his ability to stay in the house overnight. He claimed to hear and see spirits on a regular basis in this house before selling it in 2021 to fellow paranormal enthusiast Richard Bard who still runs it today as a place where ghost hunters can rent it out. Here are a few of the paranormal encounter stories these two men have helped compile. Time now for the tale of Whisper's estate. That first night Van stayed there alone, he immediately felt uneasy. At first he blamed what he was feeling on his being familiar with various reported hauntings associated with the home he'd now just walked into alone, combined with the way the place appeared. With his walls painted a deep red and dark mahogany wooden fixtures, some with burn damage from the fire in 1912 still visible, the house just looked ominous. Sat at the large dark wood dining table going over some receipts, Van was jolted to his feet when he heard what sounded like a large explosion, followed by the sound of heavy footsteps running down the wooden staircase. The whole house shook. He stood there for a moment, frozen with fear, as he knew there was no one else in the house. This would be the first of many paranormal experiences for him there. He wondered if he'd gotten more than he bargained for and wouldn't be able to handle it. Getting a grip on himself, he went to investigate to confirm he was definitely alone in the house and the explosion he heard wasn't anything serious. After taking a look around while he wasn't able to see anything else, he got himself so worked up with fright, he so strongly felt the presence of something in the house with him that he grabbed his keys, ran to his car where he called his mother, (laughs) who then talked him into going back inside and staying the night. The house was then calm for him, thankfully, for the rest of that night, but he now claims that before he sold the place, he heard the footsteps on many occasions, plus heard whispering, be was touched by unseen entities, saw doorknobs jiggling, doors open on their own, saw shadowy entities moving about through the home, and more. Gwen Ziegler, who would work for Van running the haunted house as a business, said she slept in Dr. John's old room, the master bedroom, many times. 
and she believes that Dr. John's spirit made its presence known to her on numerous occasions and that he is not a friendly ghost. She says uh, uh, she's one of many women who has been terrified by hearing whispering in her ear, and she added that she felt an invisible force, which she believes to be his ghost, groping her, breathing down her neck. Ugh. Gwen says that she heard her name whispered in her ear whenever she would sleep in that room, and that one night she awoke to a searing pain in her neck, found that she had been scratched by something or someone unseen. Another woman going by Rebecca says she was taking a nap on the sofa in the living room one day when she was feeling particularly run down. She awoke gasping for air to find that the blanket that had been resting gently over her was now being pressed down hard on her face. She had to fight to get it off, panicking for a second, thinking someone was in the room with her trying to kill her. But of course, once she got the blanket off her face, no one there. Others have actually seen entities. Guest James Evans says he encountered a tall, black, human-looking mass in the parlor and that seeing this thing filled him with an overwhelming sense of terror. A psychic who explored the home also encountered this thing, said it was an entity not of this world. Maybe the wildest encounter claim comes from a woman going by or a woman going by Stacy, who says she brought her niece to see the house one day, and while they were walking down the stairs leading to the attic, Stacy felt something push her. She flew over her niece, crashing into a wall. Worried that she could have been killed, she and her niece immediately fled from the house. The attic is believed to be Rachel's old room, the 10-year-old who died of burn injuries. A few psychics who visited the house have claimed that Rachel's room is some kind of magnet for paranormal entities. One psychic stated that she believes that Rachel did not die naturally, but was murdered. She says she was given an intentional overdose of morphine by her father, Dr. John, as she lay in pain from her burns. Rachel, outside of the spirit attributed to Dr. John, seems to be the most active entity in the home. Numerous visitors have claimed to have heard her throwing a ball around the house and laughing. No one other than Stacy seems to have been thrown down the stairs. Another woman did have a disturbing encounter, though. Once a lady brought a doll to give Rachel as a gift, left it on her bed. The next time she returned, she was greeted by the doll, sat on the stairs, looking as if it had been badly burnt. Oh. If you'd like to try and add an encounter to this list, you can add, you can visit the home, even stay the night. To make a reservation, you can just go to whisper, uh, whispersestategodaddysites.com. You can stay in a group of up to 10 people if that makes you feel safer. Or you can stay alone. You can sleep in Dr. John's old bedroom. No. If you're feeling extra brave, you can even venture up to the attic in the middle of the night and visit Rachel. My goodness. Would you do it? I don't know. Maybe. Not prob- probably. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to do it by myself. Absolutely not. I might think I would on a brave moment. I think I would regret that choice immediately upon pulling up to the house. And I would, and and I would want. I wouldn't want to do it by myself too, because then I would always question, like, did I really see it? Right. You want that confirmation from someone else? Mm-hmm. But I, I would go there if you were willing to go. I mean, like someplace like this someday, I would go. I don't. Here's my thing: why I feel like I don't want to do it mm-hmm. because then once you prove it. Mm-hmm then everything else feels so much scarier. And if you had a really intense encounter, which neither one of us have had something intense, Mm-mm. not like undeniable, like neither one of us have seen like a shadowy entity Mm-mm. threatening going through the house. Because yeah, you're right. Like once you see that and you, and especially you get confirmation that someone else saw it. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I mean, I guess you acclimate, you make your peace with it, but it, I don't think it would be, be good hard. for me. Like, yeah. I just know my own mental health. I know how often I have to be alone. Yeah. I just, I don't oh, know. Yeah. I don't think I would be okay. I think I'd rather just leave it to the mysterious, to the unknown. Some things are better left unknown. Mm-hmm. For me. Man. 
I know how much I, I do wonder like how much that would change the show if like you had a very intense paranormal encounter. I don't know. I, I don't think it would be great for you either. I don't know if I could keep doing the show to be honest, because it the, yeah. because it would always be That's like torture, right? And it would always be somewhere in my brain where like. I have conditioned myself to the show where I do the show and then I have like a little routine afterwards to get it all out of my head. I mm -hmm. don't work on the stories at home too often. I yeah. don't work on them after a certain hour. So there's enough time between working on the show and going to bed. Like I have yeah, a whole thing, yeah. right? And think what you want about it. But it's like I have my crystals. I have my little like mantras in my head about like it can't get me like all the things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm already a little edgy mm -hmm. and I don't need to add to that. Yeah. Not for me, not for you. Like it could right, be really right, rough right, on right. our relationship if I'm always <laughs> yeah, scared. Yeah, totally. No one's ever sleeping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just, I'd rather not. Yeah. You make a good argument. Thank you. Uh, here's some pictures. This, uh, this is a photo of the house just from this last year. So oh, you know, wow. pretty, pretty normal looking house, little little town, like a little four thousand person town. Yeah, I mean, he's taken really good care of it. Yeah, it's well restored there. Uh, another photo where you can see the two angels on either side of the entrance, uh, little sidewalk. See those little sculptures. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Um, there was no great photo of them up close. There was one where it was so zoomed in, it was mm. just kind of worthless. Mm -hmm. uh, this next one, this is a, in the house, there's a photo of Rachel, that 10-year-old who passed in the home. Which, by the way, if she died of morphine overdose, I don't necessarily think that that was a bad thing. I know, I if, know. If, 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 it could have been a mercy nine... situation if there was no, he was the doctor, and he right. was like, I can't. She's not gonna. She's not gonna come back from this. She's not gonna come she, back, and from, she's just in pain. Well, and like, what year was that? So, I mean, did they even skin graph yet? Like, no, right? No, it so was, uh, there was no nothing yeah. for her other than to. I don't even know that they would have had them. It was nineteen twelve, right? Would they even have the ability to help her? Let's say she somehow lived. Uh huh. I think. I don't think there there would be much they could have done back then. Yeah. So I I, I do see it as a mercy killing. Mm hmm. If if that's the truth, just like put her out of her misery. Yep. Oof, burns. Oh, God, oh so gosh. painful. Yeah, back then with no treatment. Well, uh, even now, I think it's still wildly painful. Oh, wildly painful now, but, it, but it's pretty amazing what people have come back from mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. You know, just uh, like, yeah, follow. I follow some of them on Instagram, mm -hmm. and it is inspiring where it's like, you know, like, like, you know, hands burned off and mm -hmm. like, and like most of the skin on their body, like, you know, severely, severely burned, but because of like, you know, you have to go through many surgeries, mm -hmm. but they're able to get to a place where they're not living in constant pain yeah, and, um, you know, and have full lives. God, the we live in amazing times. The fortitude that that would take. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. True. That's It'd unbelievable. Very mentally strong. Yeah. I don't know if I could. Uh, this next one, Rachel's bedroom. Uh, obviously, they have made it creepier mm -hmm. with the little dolls at the foot of the bed. <laughs> the balls and, on the bed are like <laughs> real strange to me. Mm -hmm, the way that they're balanced on the little foot uh -huh. posts there. And there's more dolls on that little on the uh, dresser. dresser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would. And it is funny where it's like, okay, I get it. You've put those there to intentionally make it creepier. You're trying to make it scarier. Mm -hmm. It's a gimmick. But if I'm staying the night there, it's a gimmick that works. 100%. Actually, There's no fucking way those dolls are staying in that room with me that night. They're, they're getting locked somewhere. <laughs> well, after I read my first story to you, yeah. you might feel differently about other items as well. Yeah. Very interesting. As you were reading that story, I kept, I got a little like sidetracked. So I was like, oh my God, what if the doll fell backwards and then forward, like just started like rocking. Oh, yeah. I started having weird doll thoughts and I had to refocus on what you were saying. So I'm like, please don't move, please don't move. I just have one last photo. This is just the uh, staircase, but just the way, like, um, it just reminds oh, me I of see, so many horror movies where you come up this narrow staircase. Mm -hmm. I know, I know, I think it's the second Conjuring movie uh, is 
the location they used was a house very similar to this setup, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're walking up there, and it was so spooky because there's railings on either side of you. So, for, yeah, for everybody just listening, I mean, you can see this on our Instagram or Facebook, Scared to Death at Scared to Death Podcast. But it's like you would walk up a narrow staircase into the uh, second floor. And then it would open up to like a landing on either side of you where there's just a little railing. Mm-hmm. So as you're walking up, there could be something creepy by your head on the left or the right. Right. And just the way the shadows would play. And then obviously you get to the top of the stair, the landing, and then you just wrap around uh, back towards the way you just came up to the right or the left to go to like one of two rooms. Uh, might even be different doors for the same room. That one might be a window and then door on the other side. But that would just be – and there's railings behind you. So when you reach the top of the stairs – there could be something watching you straight behind your head mm-hmm. or from the left or from the right. And the way the railings would play with the lights, it would be very shadowy. Is this, how, is this Was that a current picture of how it looks in there? Um, fairly recent, I think. Okay, okay. Because there's also like some damage to the walls and then they have put up curtains and they're just partially open. Mm-hmm. Just enough for you to be like, what's beyond that? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He's, they've done a good job. Yeah, they've done a good job uh, up in the, uh, the spook factor. And, and, on the, and on the website... I mean, I didn't know, you know, uh, we haven't, don't really do like videos here. And since most of the listeners are audio, mm-hmm. it didn't make sense to play like a long video of like hearing maybe a sound or seeing a closet door. It's not that exciting. But when you look at a bunch of the videos of people who stayed there and then sent the videos in to the people who run the home to put on the site, there's some weird stuff. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some weird stuff. There's a whole section of photos of people with weird scratches that they claim they got uh, that they woke up with after mm-hmm. staying there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. A lot of, lot of interesting stuff. Yeah. Some EVP stuff. And it's like, yeah, you think like that could be faked, but they're claiming it doesn't where you hear like a girl's voice, you know, say different things. Um, interesting. I, I'm just still hard no. I used to think that I would want to explore and know. And the, now that we've been doing this for so long, I think. I, I, I would be worried about how it would affect the show in a bad way, like selfishly, if you did. We weren't doing the show. I would want to like maybe like push you harder <laughs> to do it. But then even then, with uh, with the stand up, with the fact that you're alone a fair amount of time, mm-hmm. it just wouldn't be good. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be good. Maybe someday I'll go with somebody else to like a little ghost hunt. I don't know if that works either, because then you know. So then, if I'm mm. calling you freaked out, because you are the oh, no. world's worst liar, you can't like trick me with your little like jokes and stuff. So here's what I'm imagining. Okay. You go mm-hmm. with someone else or a group of someone else's right. and you you and multiple people gain confirmation. Months later, I'm home alone. I think I see something. I think I hear something. You're on the road. And now you're going back to this place of like, oh, shit, I definitely saw something. Shit, she should be scared. Oh, my God. You know, be so scary. Hmm. I was just thinking like I was just when you were talking about that is if I went somewhere, some group I do, and we see something like very specific looking, like in my mind, it popped up the little devil like face and in insidious. Okay. Uh-huh. In that franchise, something that has a very specific look with certain color eyes, certain facial features, like little point, you know, pointy bumps or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't tell you. And then a month or two later, you describe that exact same entity in our house when I'm gone. Because that's the thing. You could bring something home with you. I will say like the one thing that always gives me comfort or yeah. peace when I'm I was I was feeling weird and panicky last night. Did you feel anything last night? Mm-mm. Oh, I don't I know. got really tired though. Mm-hmm. I, I crashed hard yeah. when I went to bed early last night. Um Monique had said to me, you know, she's like the witchiest person I know and the person who's like dabbled in that world. Mm-hmm. For longer than anybody else I've ever known in my life. And she is always coming from such a good place. And I I couldn't say enough good things about her. 
there are things that we've talked about and she just says like, listen, like you at the end of the day, you are in control, whether you let it in or you don't. So yeah. like before you enter your home, after hanging out with people, not even in a paranormal way, like release that energy, let it go. Don't bring it into your house. And there are a couple of things that she said to me about like, okay, if, like last night I was lying in bed, I was scared. I didn't feel something didn't feel right. And so I just kept like imagining myself surrounded by a white light and in my head chanting over and over you're not welcome here mm. i only you know on, i don't even know what i was saying now but like something to the effect of like i get to choose you know what's here and i don't want that energy and i'm surrounded by goodness and light and just kind of like all these things i mean eventually i fell asleep i did wake okay. up at three in the morning coughing which is my new thing that i do but <laughs> i think that's just we live in a very dry area yeah i think so too yeah i don't think that like the devil's making me cough at 3 a.m no, that'd be, that'd be a weird affliction. Uh, that's always an interesting thing where it's like, like okay, the super powerful entity, but like instead of like really tormenting you, just going to give you an, an annoying cough. <laughs> that is sometime... pretty funny. <laughs> no, it's just acid reflux stuff. Yeah. I, I drank last night and that's all it was. Yeah. Okay. Well, 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 well. Are you ready to get spooked? I'm ready. I'm ready. OG Layla. OG Layla. How's she smell? Is she a fresh one? Mm. Oh, no. No smell. She's, she smelled out. Oh, Layla. Do we have to send her to the Layla graveyard? <laughs> no, she's 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 good. I want to have a little Layla graveyard. Oh, yeah, we do have so many <laughs> Laylas. That would be funny. It would be so funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, okay. As we were discussing earlier, yeah. generally speaking, like, well, let me rephrase that. We have talked okay. about some haunted objects, but generally it's like a mirror, a doll. Yeah. Can you really think of any other... Haunted objects. I shared a story I mean, about another podcast that yeah. talked about like a haunted chair. Remember right. that story? I think it was like two girls and a ghost or something. There's the Dybbuk box, which kind oh, yeah. of is, yeah, it's like, it's, like a, it's like its own thing. Yeah, because it's not like a household item, I guess. No. I should rephrase my question. No, there was, uh, I think I told a story about a bunk bed. Oh, yeah, that does ring a little familiar to me. Right? Man, that feels like that was ages ago. Mm -hmm. There was a bed. There was like a wooden, like a... Like, yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. That's coming back to me in some... Actually, I don't think it was that long ago, within the last six months. Yeah, yeah. So, but like, yeah, that mirror, like you said, um, you know, like paintings, artwork. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We yeah, have that's talked true. about those, like, like, like those. And then, um... But I can't think. I, uh, if we have something else, I can't remember it. Not not much. Not much. Usually it's dolls. Usually if it's a haunted thing, mm -hmm. it's dolls. Dolls and mirrors. mirrors. And mirrors. Yeah. Dolls and mirrors. Dolls and mirrors. Um, well, this story is about a haunted dresser, and I mm. never considered that as an option. It just did not occur to me. Like, oh, I could buy a vintage dresser, but I can't buy a vintage mirror. And then mm -hmm. I started really like I went down a dark, dark rabbit hole of like oh, I really love vintage rugs. I'm like, well, I probably can't have one of those now either. We've talked about and is Joe's thing because we've talked about that on the show. Joe's pipe didn't talk about. I think it's a dresser. Joe is, is dresser it, in the kids' room. Yep. That's the uh, Monique said the little kids were tied to it. Am I yeah. gonna have fun with this story? Yes. All right, here we go. <laughs> I, it's funny because I was like, I thought about you, Joe, and I was like, are the kids in the dresser or they're just attached to the dresser? I was told just attached. Okay. Not in there. Okay. Go, go grab a shirt. Oh, hey guys. <laughs> I was told they were in the they were in the upper left hand drawer. You like reach in for a sock and then mm -hmm. they and then just grab it, your it, hand instead. Yep, you just see like two little kid faces. Oh my god! Shut the drawer real quick. That would be awful, awful, oh awful. Well, this I I'm very into this story. Okay. I thought, wow, like that's a. I feel like a it's maybe something I've seen in a horror movie, but also like just something again that I just had not considered. Okay. Hello, King of 
Creeps and Queen of Peeps. My boyfriend had been pushing me to listen to Scared to Death ever since we started dating a couple years ago. About a year ago, we went on a six-hour road trip, and he did decide and he decided to put it on. I was five months pregnant and tired all the time, so I had planned on napping during the drive. But as you can imagine, I couldn't fall asleep as I was gripped and have been hooked ever since. I've been holding off sharing my story as I'm not the best storyteller, but here's my attempt to share my experience with something no one in my family can logically explain away. The Haunted Dressers. My grandmother has owned and lived in her house since it was built in 1959. She's remodeled and refurnished it multiple times. However, a set of two matching antique dressers has always remained in one of the bedrooms. A couple of decades after her own children had moved out and started families of their own, my older sister, who was in her early 20s at the time, stayed in that room for a bit in between living situations. She refused to use those very old, very ugly antique dressers. Before getting rid of them, my grandmother offered one of them to my mother, who gladly accepted as she still had three daughters living at home. My older sister, eight, myself, seven, and my younger sister, four. The three of us shared a small bedroom that had bunk beds and a small dresser. As you can imagine, this tall, antique dresser made the bedroom even more cramped. One night, after a week of having this dresser, I woke up to a strange creaking noise. I sat up and looked around and around and around and continu- as the sound continued to spread throughout the room. I have no idea how long I was awake, trying to figure out where it was coming from. And soon enough, my older sister, with whom I shared the top bunk, woke up. She looked at me groggy and side-eyed. What is that? She whispered. I responded with a shrug of my shoulders. We both tried to find the source of the noise, thinking, or rather hoping, it was our dog messing around with a toy in our room, or climbing into the bottom bunk with our younger sister, trying to get comfortable. We both hung our heads over the top bunk to peek below. Our little sister was sitting up, staring at the ugly antique dresser. That's when we realized that that was where the creaking was coming from. The dresser. She looked up at us, terrified, and quickly asked if she could come up and lie in bed with us. The top bunk was crammed as it was with two people, but we reluctantly agreed because, quite honestly, we were all a bit scared. The next morning, the three of us attempted to tell our mother about the noises coming from the dresser, but of course she just brushed it off, thinking it was just our imaginations. We swore it was real, and the next night, we all snuck into the living room to sleep until we were woken up by by my mom, who gave us a reckoning for sleeping on the couch. The weeks following, everything just grew more intense. The creaking not only continued to wake us up in the middle of the night, but now we began to see small lights flicker from the slits of the drawers, and we even began to hear hushed voices coming from within the dresser. Being scared shitless, we began sleeping on the floor in the hallway right outside our bedroom, refusing to sleep with the spirit that possessed our dresser. Fed up with us not sleeping in our room, we convinced our mother to spend the night with us in our bedroom so she could see for herself just what was freaking us out. The four of us slept on the bottom bunk that night, smashed in side by side. Sorry that I just saw something. That was so (laughs) weird. A A few hours after we fell asleep, as if on cue, the creaking began. My older sister woke up first and began to shake my mom awake, which in turn woke all of us up. She whispered, Mom, Mom, it's happening and pointed to the dresser. We all stared at the dresser as the dim lights began to move throughout the dresser and the slits allowed the light to shine through and the whispers began. I looked at my mother, whose eyes were wide. She sat there staring almost entranced. Her eyes began to water as we all snuggled up close to her. 
I must have somehow felt safe enough to fall back asleep because the next thing I remember it was morning and my mother was no longer in the bedroom with us, but neither was the dresser. She had taken the dresser to the backyard and was dousing it with lighter fluid. Oh my God. She burned the dresser right then and there in the middle of our yard. My sisters and I were relieved that she'd finally believed us. We didn't understand why she had chosen to burn it. Perhaps we were too young to understand. 17 years later, looking back on this incident, I pestered my mother into talking about what she remembered from that night. She was reluctant, but she did tell me something that I haven't been able to shake since. That night, the whispers, she said, were speaking to her specifically. They were telling her to harm her children. Jesus! Which fully explains and justifies her urgency to burn it. She also shared with me that she had reached out to my grandmother who said that she had never experienced anything weird with the set of dressers and then donated the other dresser to a local thrift store. Oh boy. Who ended up with the second one? Had they experienced something similar? And why hadn't my grandmother ever experienced anything weird when they were in her possession? Were the spirits upset that the two dressers had been separated? <laughs> Safe to say, I never bought any old furniture, nor do I plan on separating a set of anything due to this terrifying childhood experience. Thanks so much for filling my day with creepy stories and knowledge on how to avoid being a Darren. Love the podcast. Keep on creeping, peeping, sucking, and scaring. <laughs> Sophia. Sophia. Oh, my gosh. That's a that's a really scary story. It is. It sneaks up on you how scary it is. I know. Maybe that's why I was having a hard time sleeping last night because I lie facing our dressers. Yeah. And it didn't even occur to me until this moment that that might have been my problem. That one got my imagination going in just the worst ways. Yeah. And, and and just putting yourself in that situation, like like the the whole thing, just the beats of that story, where first you know like a couple little girls, mm -hmm. uh, you know siblings, all think they hear like whispering, and then really creepy. I've never heard of this. Uh, like little, I would imagine like almost like orbs of light floating around inside there that then show through the cracks at different points. So like moving oh, lights. Yeah, I didn't think about it as being orbs. I just thought about like almost like a flashlight coming on and like the drawers emanating light from the inside out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like glowing. I was picturing just because orbs show up a lot, you know, and like sure. ghost sightings, like little orbs flo floating around in there, and then you see it appear at different points. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and then whispering on top of that. That's really creepy. So creepy. To, to have that experience by multiple people. And then, so then as the mom, mm -hmm. how terrifying. I got, really got goosebumps on this one. And then the mom comes in, and she knows that her daughters have said, we've experienced X. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. But then Total she, parent move, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, I would. I would like, oh my god, I'd be the same way. No, yeah, no, you didn't. But then, but then, th to see that too. So now, now it's so different when you're seeing something that other people have told you they've been seeing. But then on top of that, to have the big kicker of like now you're experiencing something that you are pretty confident is real. This is not in your in, in your head because other other people have seen it. They've heard whisperings. You're hearing the whispering, and then the whispering tells you to hurt your fucking kids. I know it's so uber specific. That's terrifying. Uh huh. I'd want to turn it, take it out and burn it in the yard, too. I know. I thought, I was like, good for you, Mama Bear. Mm -hmm. Just like, nope, not messing around with that. How scary that is. And how, how just on a let, lighter note, um, that'd be so weird to see your neighbor burning a dresser in their yard. <laughs> You're like, my God, what's going on over there? Like, I'm open, obviously, with this podcast to all these possibilities. But if I saw a neighbor burning their dresser in the yard, and they were like, well, I had to because... <laughs> Because there, there, yeah, there was voices in the, in the dresser telling me I needed to hurt my kids. <laughs> I would probably call CBS. I'm a little bit concerned. Or maybe they had just watched Beauty and the Beast too many times and they thought like all the different things could talk to them. Like their oh, teapots man. talking to them, the candlestick. I would, I would report that though. You would? Yes. 
Because like you're, I'm not going to assume that they've definitely seen a paranormal thing. It's like the other, the flip of that is if you don't know the backstory. Well, wouldn't you just ask them, more questions? Like, what do you mean voices talking to you? No, I think I'd call social workers. You would just uh, stop. That's it. You're like, you're not asking for any more information. You're just giving eh, up. I might ask for a little more information. I don't know that there'd be What's any that? information they could give me that would make me not call social workers. Do at least, at least go over there and ask them some questions. I mean. I'm just thinking about our neighbors. Yeah. Specifically. Mm-hmm. Either one of them burn a dresser. I'm not calling anybody. Mm. Because we know our neighbors. Yes. And we only have like the one set that we know that has the kids. But if they burned it because they said because they said it was voices telling me to, to hurt the kids, oh, I'd think about it. Mm-hmm. I'd be worried. I'd be, I, I, I would I'd talk be to their worried. spouse. I, yes. I'd be worried that if I didn't and then something happened, yeah, yeah. then that's on my I conscience can, forever. That's fair. Um, and, and if I did this, if this happens to me and my neighbor does call, I'm not upset with him. I'm like, okay. nah, I get it. You did the right thing. I, I mean, know, but now I mean I, there was demons, but you did the right thing. But now you have to explain that to CBS, and so now you're going to lose your kids. Because <laughs> no, you're, you're not going to lose them off of one. They're not like that. I worked. I interned. I mean, it's, maybe it's changed. I interned them, what? interned for them a long time ago. No, it would take it would take more than one incident. Okay, well, they're at least coming over a lot, which is really annoying. Yeah, because you're not. If you don't actually do anything, like if you had done, but that, you're mentally ill. They would think you're mentally ill. Yeah, but which if can the, be a very unsafe situation if you are yeah. an unmedicated, yeah, untreated. Medical, uh, a mental patient. Yeah, then you go. Then you go to a counseling session. You, I don't know. You get a, you get a counselor or psychiatrist to write off like, ah, this is a one-time thing. I don't know. I don't know. It makes me nervous. Uh, it, well, actually, on that, I think what you need to do if this happens to you, and somebody does see you burning, you're doing the right thing, burning in the yard, and then someone asks you why you're burning, you do not tell them the truth. Fair. You do not tell them the truth. Maybe, okay, maybe you could. Oh, there's so many bucks. Oh my God! There's so many. There's yeah, uh, like it's, it's, termites. It's, it's, it's infested with termites, and we got to burn them to save our house. My mind goes to <laughs> don't 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 tell them voices. We're telling you to the, the dresser is wanting you to kill your kids. I was immediately gonna say, uh, my kid peed in all the drawers. Okay, fine. <laughs> it smells like urine. Can't get the smell out. Got to get rid of it. <laughs> weirder, but fine. I know it's weirder, but I had an ex boyfriend who would get drunk and pee in dresser drawers. All right, so well, there you it's, go. It's so based in something. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. Joe, does that make you scared of your dresser at home? Oh. No. You guys gonna see me burning it? Oh my god! I'm gonna have this exact conversation with my neighbors. I'm like, well, I actually heard a story about a, a dresser that was. T- I just don't want the dresser to tell me to hurt my kids. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to hurt my kids. I, I burn all kids, dressers. I have this friend who had this friend who wrote a story. And anyway, <laughs> watch this. And just, <laughs> Joe just like starts burning a dresser once a week. He just starts mm-hmm. a collection. Like again, he's like, I have to burn you all the know. dressers. You don't know which drawer has the demons. <laughs> what, what's crazier, burning it because you heard a story about a dresser that told you to kill your kids. Oh yeah. And then you're like, well, I just don't want that dresser to do that to me. I think that is that a crazier loophole than just having it actually happen to you? Yeah, I think that's I maybe think so. but more upsetting for uh, on the parent level. If you just start burning lots of dressers because you've heard that they may be haunted and may want you to kill your kids. Then, then I would assume you're on the edge of wanting to hurt your kids already. Mm. And you're worried about the drawer just kind of tipping you over. Okay, Joe, so the moral of the story is if you need to burn that dresser, Lie. we need to take it out to the middle of nowhere yeah. and do it in a very safe, secluded oh. space. I'll do it. Okay. I don't care. It's worth the views. <laughs> the kids just, I mean, they just throw their clothes on the floor anyway. Uh, God, isn't Screw that the it. truth? I know. Okay, but also, then does that mean that you're burning those spirit kids? Well, no. let's not think about it that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's even a crazier. So sad. <laughs> your neighbor looking over the fence and you have to explain that. But if I burn the dresser, then I'm burning the kids that came along with it. They're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, your neighbor sees you start to burn the dressers, but then put the fire out. Because <gasps> oh I'm burning two tiny children that right. came with the dresser. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Yikes. Okay. Well, Joe, you're stuck with the dresser. 
Deal. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, you ready for one more? Yeah. Okay, so this, uh, we, we touched on this at the beginning, this Japanese tradition called Oven. Oh, yeah. And I had never heard of this. I didn't know what it was. It was completely new to me, which I love. I love learning yeah. something new and hearing like what other cultures do, especially like, you know, here in America, we don't celebrate death. We fear death and, you know, mm -hmm. no one wants to get old. I mean, That's funny. me I was, included. I was just talking about that when this comes out, it'll be a few weeks earlier but i was just talking about that on uh, a time suck episode about jack of orkin oh maybe that's where i got it because you and i think we're having that conversation this weekend yeah yeah but I, we got i got into a little uh, discussion of you know sharing some research or i guess not discussion but sharing research about how you're talking to yourself yes yeah about how like you know some some british uh i want to say sociologist but was and other people have said that the american culture is very anti-death but mm -hmm. like not comfortable with death right like the old the dying you just kind of like want to sneak them off to the shadows not mm -hmm. really talk about it it's a very like youth focused vibrant culture but you're right that's not the same in many cultures no and and i do think it's weird in that like i love old people mm -hmm. i always have i find them to be comforting i find them to be fascinating they're their own history books mm -hmm. and i just love that i like you know like my grandparents died before i had the wherewithal to think to ask them about like, well, what was it like to be a paratrooper yeah. in World War II? Like, damn it, I wish you were still around because now yeah. I would be fascinated and neither of my grandparents were journal keepers. I mean, some people's <sighs> grandparents are. Yeah. So that's such a cool thing. And actually, I mean, I'm seriously not doing this on purpose, but StoryWorth, who sponsored the show before, I'm doing that with my mom and dad. Mm -hmm. My parents are divorced. And it is so cool because now I'm getting like an orated history of their lives because it'll ask like what's the most important thing you've ever done or uh oh, cool. are you a practical joker i mean just questions that i never yeah. thought to ask them what was your first concert and right so maybe i mean there are some deeper questions for sure and you yeah. can change them around but i was like okay that actually i love it i love it um but on that yeah like i i love the idea of celebrating death and cherishing people as they get older and mm -hmm. when they die having a party instead of everybody sitting around sobbing yeah i mean yeah it's sad yeah you're gonna miss them but their life hopefully was beautiful and well lived yeah let's just celebrate it yeah 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 um so i just did like a quick you know search and there's i think it's like visitjapan.com or something. it was just such a basic website but they had a little overview of oban and they said it's a yearly buddhist event that honors and commemorates one's ancestors each year during oban the ancestor spirits return to this world to visit their relatives traditionally Lanterns are hung in front of the house to guide the ancestors' spirits home. Special oban dances are performed. Graves are visited, and food offerings are made at houses, uh, at house altars and temples. That's what made me think of um, mm. Dios de los Muertos is the altar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then at the end of oban, floating lanterns are placed into rivers, lakes, and seas in order to guide the spirits back to their world. The customs, uh, the customs followed very strongly from region to region. So sounds yeah, like cool. they all have their own little take on it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, that was really cool. So um, that is, I think that's helpful going into this, like understanding what it is. Uh, and so now the story is from an anonymous, anonymous caller. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> okay, perfect. Hey, Dan and Lindsay. I've been a listener of your podcast since the start of the pandemic and have left no episode unturned. It's really kept me, go uh, it's really kept me going through a lot of world and personal turmoil. So thank you. I've always been a creeper. Despite this, I am a rather skeptical person that leans towards the I just don't know camp. Like I just don't know what collective human minds are capable of conjuring. I won't say I don't believe in the supernatural because of this experience I had. This is the only major ghost event that I've ever had in my life. 
I've had some smaller oddities, but most I usually just chalk up to, oh, it's just the wind, or what a weird coincidence, or I must be hearing things. But this one, I can't, I can't wish away for reasons that will be obvious. I went to Japan to study abroad at a university in Tokyo, which like, good for you. Yeah, it's cool. That's amazing. So brave. To give you a rundown, I lived in a dorm building about an hour's train ride outside of Tokyo in the prefecture of mm -hmm, Saitama. Saitama. Uh, it was still urban, but there were pockets of countryside and rice fields about a 15-minute walk from my dorm. There were also Shinto shrines and Buddhist temples, as well as small stone shrines made of rocks tucked into random places. Very lovely. Despite, uh, despite this, because of urban sprawl, the next town over was about a 30-minute walk from my dorm, and that was where my friend's dorm was located. During the summer, we practiced some Oban events that some of our Japanese friends invited us to join. Oban is a few days of rituals and celebrations that remember and commemorate deceased ancestors. There's the belief by some that the spirits will return to their families to visit during this time. We took part in some local events, and then we all went to our friend's dorm that was in the town over from mine. It was still early when we arrived at the dorm, about 8 p.m., so we drank for a while, watched movies, and played games. Eventually, we realized the time. It was past midnight, and the trains had stopped running. My friend invited me to stay, but I don't really enjoy being surrounded by that many people while trying to sleep, so I decided to walk home. Now, it might sound shocking for a small, literally not even five foot tall, girl like myself to walk home alone past midnight, but Japan is one of the safest countries, and after living in Philly... Well, I just never felt threatened walking home alone in Japan. I'd even walked around Tokyo alone at midnight with not a care in the world. So my friends sent me off after I promised about 15 times to text them when I got home or call them if I needed anything. I popped in my headphones, started a podcast, and walked. I enjoyed the cool breeze breaking up the hot night air, the smell of incense and food drifting in the gusts. There were still plenty of people milling about on the main streets, walking home from work, a bar, karaoke, or festivities. I wasn't worried. About 15 minutes in, I was away from the main roads and in a quiet neighborhood that had some rice fields dotted around. While walking close to the fields, I could hear the constant trill of cicadas, like a constant drumming. The buzzing shook my eardrums, an entirely unpleasant feeling. They completely drowned out all other sound, so I gave up on my podcast and removed my headphones. I walked a few more minutes until I made a turn into a neighborhood. On the same street as me, there were two men in front of me, very drunk, walking with arms around one another, shouting loudly about something at work, and a woman staggering behind me on the, uh, on the adjacent sidewalk. And then suddenly, there was no one. No shouting men. No woman. I stopped for a moment. In Japan, there are a lot of side streets for pedestrians or bikes between tightly packed together houses. The neighborhood I was in was no different. I figured everyone had just turned onto one of the side paths or maybe they went into their homes. A few more steps, and I stopped again. I could no longer hear the cicadas at all. Odd. Even amidst the busy neighborhood, you can still hear them, that loathsome, bu that loathsome buzzing. The hairs on the back of my neck were standing on end. I looked behind me. Nothing. I looked in front. Nothing. I continued forward with a bit more haste in my steps. I arrived at the pedestrian path that I needed to take home and froze. On these churns, there are sometimes large, circular mirrors that allow you to see around corners, mostly to keep people from being run over by bicycles. In the mirror was a woman. From the mirror, I couldn't see her face clearly, but I could see her long black hair was pulled back, 
a white shirt, black blazer, and pencil skirt. Typical business wear. So why was the skin on my scalp tingling? She was just a woman, right? Probably coming home drunk just like me. She just stood there, completely still. I was freaking out a bit because it was Oban, and I drank too much. And then the people disappeared, and the cicadas. I told myself, pull it together, as I turned the corner onto the path that she was on. She wasn't there suddenly. I whipped my head back to check in the mirror. Not there. A sound of rustling behind me forced me to turn my head cautiously. She stood in the alley, directly across the road. My blood went cold. My stomach lurched. I wanted to throw up. It was her. Same clothes, same hair. I still couldn't see her face. The light from a vending machine was hitting a post and the shadow obscured the details of her face. My tongue was tingling and the nerves in my body were rapid-firing pricks into my fingertips and toes. This definitely wasn't okay. I turned back around and ran down the pedestrian path. I ran as fast and as hard as I could. Not a hint of tipsiness left in a cell of my body as adrenaline coursed through my veins. At the end of the path, I turned. There she stood, down at the end of the street, facing me, face obscured by distance and night. Air caught in my lungs. A lump welled in my throat. My eyes stung with tears. She was standing exactly where I needed to go. I had walked this way many times. So many. I ran forward towards her. I was staring straight at her, my eyes going dry from the air. For a moment, I saw her chin raise. A little light started to reveal her features. I felt the world slow down, adrenaline allowing me to see every second in slow motion. I took a hard left and ran straight for a quiet temple I had passed a million times before but had never visited. I jumped over the raised threshold and felt a burst of cold air against the back of my neck. I looked back. Nothing. Just the night breeze and the sound of the cicadas. I thanked whichever god had just <laughs> saved me. After a good five minutes of calming myself, when I had finally stopped shaking and shivering from anxiety, I texted one of my friends and then called her. She talked on the phone with me the whole rest of the way home. I didn't tell her about what had happened until a few weeks later. When I did finally tell my friends about the incident, some thought I was probably just freaking out and seeing different people thinking that they were the same person because I was, well, freaking out. Could be. A momentary bout of madness? Perhaps. But nothing like that happened before or after. Ever. It's been six years. At the time, I had told one of my Japanese friends, and she told me I'd probably seen a spirit that got lost while trying to find her way home. Perhaps she latched perhaps she latched onto me, hoping I could lead her closer to home. I honestly don't know. I also don't know why she would have stopped right outside the temple threshold if she didn't mean me any harm. It does make me feel sad if she really was just lost, but it was also way too scary. I think I'll leave guiding spirits to the professionals. Thank you very much. God, that would, I mean, yeah, to be taunted, to see something, to be taunted by something. I mean, that's so intense. Something that looks so like real. Mm -hmm. It sounded like uh, this thing just looked like a person. Yeah, it didn't sound like, I like, mean. It didn't sound like it was like transparent or ethereal. How it often, like how right. these stories often, where they present entities. And I kept waiting for the author to say like, and then her face was revealed and it was half rotting. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, like the, for some big reveal. But somehow that made it scarier that it was just, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it just looked like it could, could have like been regular, anybody. Yeah, regular person. And yeah, but then just starts like starts chasing you or whatever. And It, it wasn't even really chasing so much just, as it sounded like, like jumping. To like, yeah, pew, pew, pew. like, like yeah. how are you everywhere that I am? Right. And, you know, 
I mean, I've walked home many a times from many a places late at night, whatever. And you okay? Yeah, no, I'm just picturing all this. Oh, yeah. I thought you saw something. Um, no, I was checking out the dolls more for some reason. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. It was weird energy in here today. Um, but if, if you're walking home, you're walking, let's just say you're walking down Sherman Avenue. Avenue. Yeah. Okay. Here in Coeur d'Alene, which is like normally oh busy. My God. What if you're walking and you see mm-hmm, two dudes mm-hmm, in front mm-hmm. of you? Ah, yep, yep. You see this lady over here and then you hear, I don't know, the buzzing of cicadas. Yeah. Yeah. And then five steps later, all of that's gone. That <sighs> was yeah. almost worse than the lady. Right. And then seeing all of a sudden like her face, every, like every, that's the only person you see oh and in different places, the same face showing up. I mean, yeah, that's terrifying. And then I took it to mean that when the author stepped over the threshold into the temple, that burst of cold air yeah. was like, to me, it was like the spirit trying to get there, but being like kicked back. Like, like if this uh. is the temple, it's like, okay, this is like, I'm over and spirit's like, douche. How like cra- crank how, it through. How crazy is that if that is reality where it's like 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 religious places like very you know hold some kind of power and that there are these entities out there, but it's it's like some weird messed up game of tag <laughs> where if you can make it to base, they can't get you. That's pretty funny. Yeah. That's but, a really funny thought. <laughs> but that's just crazy. Like like if that is if that is one of the, if those are the rules. And that's one of the rules, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't man. know. I mean it it is funny, like, you know, I'm not a practicing Catholic and Religion is not really my jam. Yeah. But when I get really scared at night, I still repeat like the bedtime prayer that I used to say mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. night when I was a it's kid. Comforting. It is comforting. And what if it has some kind of power? What if it actually does? You know, because it's like uh, w- that would be the reason these entities can't make it into certain religious places. Mm-hmm. What if there is some sort of power there? I, I could be Buddhist. I could get down with that. Yeah. I don't know enough about it. Hmm. So I think you it's, dig it's, it. it's the major religion I know the least about. Oh, well, let's read about it. Let's learn together. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll take the Annabelle's first today. Okay. Then the names this week, there are a variety of difficult names. Okay. I tried to I'll, split I'll them I'll up. i prepare myself. Okay. So I want to thank the following Annabelle's for supporting this show on Patreon. We appreciate it very much. Uh, EPG. That one wasn't too hard. <laughs> uh, Faith Wishart. Jupiter Ty. Max Ryder. Madeline and Kevin Sun, uh, Sunku. Th- Thanks for putting a pronunciation guide on there. You're welcome. They uh, sent it. Yeah, yeah exactly. To the, them. Uh, uh, JC Satterwhite, Kendra Charnick, Skyler P, Ricardo uh, Aronios, uh, Brady Dilks, Spaced and Lost. <laughs> Funny. Ashley Fleming, Ella Murray, Candace Parsons, Kayla, Ruby Boyd, Brittany Stansbury, uh, Tor. Yeah, Torin Moore, Rachel and Jacob Trawick, Savannah Kirk, <laughs> entire bag of chips. <laughs> That's really funny. For They're pretty active in our Patreon. It cracks me up. Entire bag of chips. That's fine. Uh, Ariel Tallini, Joe Nunya, Ryan Elmo Christensen, and Jacob Waldroop. Right? Yep. Some of them are just a little wordy. I'd like to thank the following Annabelles for helping us support the people in Ukraine. Stephen mm. Adkins, Casey Ashton, King Oberon, Callan Robertson, Carmela with a K, Jennifer Mullen, Brendan McKay, Sarah Dan, Lindsay Ford, Jake Q. Parker, Jake Ingram, Jacob Felger. Would you all sign up together? <laughs> Matt Nahazel, Saren Hacks, Rob Nelson, Grandma Llama, Crooney one, oh, sorry, Crooney four one two, Aaron Kelch, Jean Brown, 
Ashley Brooks, Nicole Belensky, Michaela Springer, Zeth BW, Molly Morrow, Ashley Henson, Jimmy Woods, and Jacob and Heather Thompson. Nice. Now, now you got some spoopy shout outs. I got some spoops. This might be one of the best ones ever. Two sexy butt from Cutie Booty. <laughs> Two sexy butts. <laughs> I love it. Happy birthday, and I love you. Oh, this is another good one. To Fudar and Dudar from Sura. Happy belated birthday. I love you. It's like a, uh, I think it's a blended family. Now I can't remember. Fudar and Dudar. Uh, like clearly some nicknames. To Holden. Oh man, this is a rough one. To Holden from your dad, Nick. Love you and so proud of you. Holden is a young boy facing some very serious illness, and it's. <sighs> It's really rough. Okay. So we're just thinking about you, Holden, and we're sending you such good energy. We all love you. And to Rebecca Lee from your daughter, Kira, happy birthday. Oh, and that is our show today. It's been kind of spooky vibes in here today. <laughs> I Second know. half of the show, especially. I'm uh, looking forward to getting out of this room, actually. Yes. Uh, thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Uh, you can email us for everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith, Liz Hernandez for their work on social media, and to Logan again for running BadMagicMerch.com. Thanks to Joe Paisley for producing, directing today, Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation, Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails, and to book editor Drew Atana for polishing and preparing the listener stories for book number three. Um, thanks to producer Olivia Lee for finding the first story today, and producer Sarah Finch for finding the second. You can subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to watch this show in addition to listening. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content. See the pictures at Scared to Death Podcast. We have a private Facebook group, groups, uh, Creeps and Peepers, uh, full of horror lovers, getting bigger and bigger. Thanks to Liz Hernandez for moderating. And if you don't want to hear more ads, if you want monthly bonus episodes, check out our Patreon. Get the entire catalog ad-free and more. Enjoy your nightmares, Creeps and Peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but have no home here within scared to death. Add Magic Productions. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. The designer event is now on at Bloomingdale's and you don't want to miss it. Shop the most sought after handbags, shoes, and ready to wear from the top luxury designers, all at incredible savings. This sale only happens for a limited time online and in store. So head on over to Bloomingdale's today and shop the designer event.